welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This time I'm talking to Laurie Grace Bailey about her amazing photography journey. Laurie is a storm chaser and astrophotographer based in Tucson, Arizona. Her work conveys the majesty and power of the monsoon, dust storms and bottle one skies around her home. Her passion for natural spaces and unique weather events has led to some interesting experiences which she shares with us as she evocatively portrays the desert and mountain landscapes that she explores. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Laurie, welcome to the podcast. How are you going? Doing great, Grant. How are you doing? Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. I'm, uh, I've been having quite a quite a interesting day. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So I, I guess uh, thank you very much for taking the time out to, and coming on the podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm really pleased to have you. Uh, we were talking in a, a Twitter space. Um, I think it was a few weeks ago. Uh, when you were describing one of your experiences and it was hearing that that really sort of made me want to hear your wider story and and hear more about what you do and and why you do it but um, I guess let's start off with how, how you got started in doing what you do or or do you want to start with telling us uh-huh. what, what it is that you do? Sure sure so uh, I started off uh, in 2015 I've, I've always loved photography and a lot of people have inspiration, right? They, they often um, are inspired to start photography from a friend or a family member. They're given, you know, they're given a camera when they're young or something. I didn't, uh, I got started, uh, my love for photography happened when my kids were born. And like any parent, you start taking photos mm-hmm. and more photos and more photos. And then yeah. you realize that, you know, especially at the time in the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, those cameras weren't the greatest. So a friend encouraged me to just pick up a, you know, one of the the Canon, I think it's still the Canon XT was the, one of the, the original digital rebels, yeah. basically. And I picked one of those up with a kit lens and I just started shooting and shooting and shooting and filling up those cards, editing in those really cruddy apps, you know, those free programs on yeah, online yeah. that you could edit. And I didn't care because I loved taking photos of my kids and then I started pointing the camera at the flowers and the dogs and then, then the skies. And then, you know, it just starts growing and you just, yeah. you, you become, in, uh, the, you, you become, a it becomes an addiction. Yep. You just want yep. to continue to, 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 shoot more and more. And uh, of course, you know, even then I started thinking, Oh, look at me. Th- these are great pictures, you know, and it's just a simple photo of my kid with the, you know, beautiful sunset in the background, and those are priceless. Yeah, so that that really started. They're, yeah, they're, that really they're awesome. started my passion. The, the memories that you can't, you know, that, that you capture with uh, with your children and everything. I, I've got uh, uh, a whole um, stack of uh, original, you know, the um, analog photo albums, um, right? Which you know go from uh, when was it ninety two when we first had our first child through until about ninety eight. It's funny the the first one gets, uh, I think she's got about three albums on her own. The second one has only got two, and the third one's only got one. <laughs> I think that's the standard. It kind of drops off a little bit, 
And then yeah. you kind of feel feel guilty. Like, was there was there a certain minimum uh, I was supposed <laughs> to meet with the second and third kids? And we I was only we only have two in our family, but um, I, I did the same thing. I actually had a hard drive failure. And so I, I literally lost all of the my kids' photos from oh, no. 2003 to 2008. And I did backup. I, I'm very careful about having backups. And I had one hard drive that failed that was the main hard drive. And I thought, well, I'm not going to worry about it. And I when I went to get the backup of all of these those images, that hard drive also had a catastrophic failure oh, no. in the same week. And it was just... You know, I knew that I could have sent it in and done this and that. Um, I did have a lot of photos. It wasn't the full collection, but I did have several others through email or whatever. But uh, I took all of the photos that I had ever taken of my kids and I printed them, just like you said. And I, I had them printed and I put them in in photo books. And they're they're in the in the entertainment center, just several stacks of photo books. So I don't ever want to lose them again. Digital is great, but if you don't have prints. And something happens. With yeah, it's the, the, it's the ultimate backup. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, that was how I got started. That's what what gave me a love for photography. And then in 2015, I started shooting weddings and portraits and, and things like that. So I jumped, you know, straight into into the shooting people thing, and I loved mm -hmm. that. That. Then, of course, I realized I got inspired by seeing other people shooting these beautiful storms out here in, in Arizona. And in the Southwest, gorgeous sunsets. And I realized that I could use that same really expensive gear to point that at the sky as well. Yeah. And that's how things really took off from there. So I do a little bit of both. I love shooting humans. What is that that saying? I, I shoot humans for a fee, but I shoot landscapes for free or for that's me. Right. You know. <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what uh, what is it about um, I guess the the skies you mentioned the sun sunsets there in Arizona but also the storms what is it that makes you want to go out in conditions that most people would want to hide from and you know stay inside? Yeah, the in the United States the National Weather Service actually has a a, a, a motto that that uh, for the for for storms which is when the thunder roars go indoors <laughs> and storm chasers have may have appended that or uh, have shortened that I should say to 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 just say simply when thunder roars go yeah. instead of go indoors because we do we we want to get out there but uh, you know once you once you start doing it and learning the ropes so to speak whether you're going through a monsoon workshop or or just learning tutorials and doing everything you can to learn about it you learn to mitigate risk, right? You're a photographer. You've, you've yep. been out in the wild. You learn to mitigate risk. You yep. don't want to get bit by that rattlesnake <laughs> or one of those, those ghastly spiders you were telling me about this morning. <laughs> and uh, you want to come home and, and learn to do it all over again. So it, it seems extreme. And for the normal person who hasn't ever done it before, it really can be frightening. But uh, you learn to mitigate the risks and, and play smart and safe. As much as possible, of course, there's always an element of danger. But yeah, I, I just want to get out there and get it and capture something extraordinary. I really do. It's so fun to come home with that one shot. Even if, you know, even if it doesn't gain a lot of traction on social media, like people don't like it. If it's special to you, it's extremely rewarding. And that's my fuel. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I got to say, you know, some of your images are absolutely incredible, you know, and it's not not just sort of the the, the classic lightning or, or shelf clouds either, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, some, some of your sunset images and some of your, you know, sort of more, I guess, your classic landscapes are, are, are really good too, you know, so you know, kudos to you for, for getting out there and, and showing the world what, what this stuff uh, looks like. Um, well, thank you. Are, are you doing photography now full-time or are you still working part-time and or working and, you know? Yeah, yeah. So COVID really, you know, COVID really messed up a lot of uh, a lot of that fun for, for photographers. So I'm getting back into it slowly. I've had, of course, more opportunity to get out and, while everything kind of stabilizes and the economy stabilizes, uh, you know, learning to, hoping to, to continue to put food on the table is always a big thing. But uh, even then, if uh, if I'm not out shooting, if I'm stuck at home, not doing anything, it's not helping me. Uh, and so I, I just, I decide to get out. There are days where I know I'm not going to capture something extraordinary, but I'll grab my gear and take my dogs and we will venture out into the great wide open you know we'll we'll just get lost somewhere along a hillside and, and I'll, I'll just turn the camera on for a time lapse which is surprising you never know what you're going to get right yep. you go out not expecting much it's it's days like that where you're suddenly gifted with something where you're like what is going on here i've got this caribou in front of me and the sun's going down you know just something spectacular can yeah, often happen yeah. just because you decided to just get get off your lazy butt and get out of the house. Yeah, so some of my favourite shots are those where it's either conditions or something just aligns and you you happen to be there and you, you manage to capture that moment. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's the story behind that that you've, you know, remembered and that you take with you that, uh, you know, I, I really think enhances the value of those sorts of moments and those sorts of shots, you know, because you can always look back and remember and go, yeah, I, I, I stood there, I saw that, and, you know, that, that was a really magic experience. It's such a cathartic moment when you're out there and in the, in the, in the, in the, in the wide open. And I like to, to take my, my two dogs with me. I have a Norwegian elk hound and a German shepherd. They're big dogs. And so, they stink the car up, especially during the monsoon when they get out there in the wet mud and then they climb back on in. And I endure the smell just because they're they're my buddies, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like having your best friends out there and watching them frolic in the open fields and just having the time of their lives is and and then you know, me being able to create something by shooting the skies or a sunset or, or something that's just that's just simple and plain is even okay for me sometimes because then I come home and it, of course it's not going to solve your problems, but it sure eases the pain and it sure eases the burden that we all carry when we're yep. stuck inside the house, worrying about bills and, and our future and our kids and all of the things that every one of us worry about. And the, it's really important for me to just get out there and it's, it's a, it's a form of healing. Would you, wouldn't you agree? There's a, there's a yeah, sense totally, of feeling that comes totally. from it. It, it. It's how I clear my head from, you know, the, 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 the daily stress, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've got a um, fairly intense job in, in, in IT uh, full time. And, oh, you wow. know, sometimes I don't get the time that I'd really like to, 
to spend and there's there's you know a lot of times where i i look out the window you know going mm. i could be out there <laughs> but now i'm stuck in here you know watching oh. a, a really cool sunset and i know yeah. i've got another hour and a half's worth of work and i'm not going to get not going to get out there and, and shoot that thing you know um but when i do go out that's where you know it, it's for me it's that you know um pardon the pun but focus on what you're doing in that moment what's going on in front of you you know going through the workflow process and you know making sure have i got the settings have i got the focus on the right portion of the image yada yada you know just making sure all of that stuff and everything else goes out the window there's literally right. nothing else to think about and you know for me that's that, that's really where that, that's my happy place you know knee deep in water whether it's uh you know a waterfall or uh or, or salt water um nice you know with the tripod in front of me with a with a nice sunset or you know a nice scene of some sort and you know i, I can't well, think of any better way of spending the time in indeed and i think that's what keeps us going but let's not fool ourselves also how many times have we gone out expecting you know <laughs> this moment of zen this this bliss and the camera settings are wrong you've forgotten you oh, forgot yeah. your batteries your sd card the camera's blurry because you forgot to turn off image stabilization and everything just seems to be falling apart. We have those moments too, you know, oh, yeah. for yeah. me, they're fleeting, you know, they're, they're not as frequent as the good moments, but we all have, we also have our bad moments. Um, as a, as a lightning photographer, the worst part of shooting the storm is getting set up in any, any other storm chaser in the Southwest or in the United States, at least the, a lot of my friends will tell you the same thing. I'm sure this is a global thing, but you see this most beautiful storm. You've finally driven to a place where you can set up a beautiful composition. Meanwhile, these bolts are just raining down gorgeous, you know, epic scenes right before you. You take your time. You're, you're, you're just like you said. You're focused. You capture. You you set your camera. You finally have all your settings. And just as you start to shutter, the lightning has dropped its, or the storm has dropped its last bolt. Yeah, it's yeah. such a frustrating feeling, and it happens every, almost every time it seems. So you have to be patient and persevere through it all. So, and that and that can also be rewarding in itself too, right? You have multiple failures as a photographer, and if you just keep driving forward, man, it that that next success is just. I don't know if you if I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've been many times I've been out by myself jumping up and down because I just captured something so exciting and, and nobody else is there to witness it. Oh, or yeah. else they would probably lock you up. <laughs> Absolutely. No, there, there, there's many times I've been uh, standing in a place and literally there's, you know, no other humans around. Uh, there, there was a. a a shoot I did down uh, on our Sapphire Coast, uh, which is about a you know four or five hour drive away from Sydney, and you know it's kind of if if you think of the Pacific Northwest in the US, it's kind of kind of that epic scenery. <coughs> Pardon me, um, and yeah, I'm just out there in in that pristine wilderness, no other people around. And you know the sky's starting to go off, and you know the the water's flowing just 
just nicely. The tides worked out, you know, and you're snapping away, and I'm I'm just the happiest man in the world, you know. <laughs> and you're, I'm the only one watching it and seeing it and experiencing you're, it. You're a little child. You're this That's little it. boy yeah. again, right? <laughs> totally understand that feeling. I love yeah, it. Just, just it's fist pumping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so sentimental. I, I guarantee you, right now, you're thinking of one of those moments right now as well, where you're just Absolutely. going, oh, this is the best. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, the failures are also what makes the successes uh, even more sweet. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember going out and, you know, I'm about an hour's drive away from the, the, the nearest beach. I went out to do a... a sunrise shoot at a at a beach and i got out there got the gear out of the car walked down to where i wanted to do scouted a few comps and you know kind of worked out what i wanted to do and went to put the camera onto the tripod and realized i'd left the shoe for the tripod on a different body back at home i've done that so the way that I, I stopped that from happening is that I bought a thousand of those things yep. and I have them <laughs> everywhere. I have them in the console of my car. Yeah. I have them in my little, in my, my tripod case, you know, with the little zippered on the side, I have them everywhere. I have yeah. a couple of, X, of SD cards, just, you know, that I bought the cheap ones just in case I forget those. And, you know, they're, they're in a little pack. They're probably melted because in the Arizona desert, Anything you leave in your car in the middle of the summer. I mean, I know Australia gets gets hot as well, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it gets you know around one fifteen in the car or on, on a normal day um, outside the car. So I can imagine how hot it gets. Who knows? I'd, I'd probably be afraid to put those SD cards in the camera. <laughs> but in a pinch, you're not going to care. You're just going to use whatever you no, can. You, that's it. You use what you got. Because yeah. you're because you're kicking yourself for leaving them at home or leaving yeah. a certain lens at home. I'm not going to need that lens. Who's who's going to shoot a landscape at 135? And then for some reason, there is something that fits the composition perfectly at 135, and you're shooting at 12 millimeters. And you're <laughs> like, what, what can I do? That's it. So tell, tell us a bit about uh, where you live and how that sort of um, has influenced what you shoot. Definitely. I, I'm a creature of the desert. I like to tell people I'm a, I'm a desert bunny and I will probably die in the desert and I'm going to be okay with that as well. I was born in, in Western Texas. So if, if you've ever been to the States, yep. uh, it's, it's just wide open. There's very few, very few, uh, her, very few hills. There's a lot of mountains. Yeah. If you, if you're envisioning, you know, some of the cowboy movies where you just you just <laughs> yeah. see the, the big the great vast expanses uh, that's western texas for you as well so i grew up in in the desert but that was the chihuahuan desert and it's a different uh, ecosystem different animals but but the similarity of of just being a very arid area mm-hmm. and uh, great people the the culture of the the border communities between the united states and mexico there's a lot of uh, hispanic heritage as well as as Western cowboy style heritage. Uh, West Texas is so known for, you can go and, and go into Tony Lama boots in El Paso and get these world-class boots because of the boot factories there. And, and the rodeos are awesome. Uh, so I still have a little bit of Texas in me, 
And uh, moving to Arizona over 20 years ago, I came into the Sonoran Desert and I discovered that it's a different, it's a different desert, but there's so many similarities and yet it has a very unique beauty in its own. If you've ever seen a saguaro cactus, uh, it's when you're actually in front of one and you see this giant, you know, the the typical, you know, it looks like a giant. It's it's the cartoon cactus that everyone. Absolutely. It's the wily coyote cactus in the background. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to draw a cactus, it's the cactus you draw. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And when you see these things and you're standing next to them and these things are, are, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet tall. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they're not 40. I don't know. They seem 40 feet to me. They're just giants. And I like to call them giants because uh, I'm going to tell you a secret. If you, if you ever come out here and you're shoot and you want to see these things come out here and shoot these things in the night, there is mm-hmm. such an amazing feeling when the stars are overhead and you hear the coyotes in the desert. It, it really is as stereotypical as you can imagine, <laughs> but as a photographer, can you imagine the low light um, the the dark skies, you know, almost like the home on the range song yeah. uh, where the deer and the antelope play, you know, uh, it really is such an amazing, I know that's more of a Texas song, but, uh, you know, listening or being able to be in the Arizona desert, in the Sonoran desert at night with just the, you know, the coyotes and, and the owls and being in that element, that's, that's another element that I, I simply have a passion for. And I'll tell you what, the Milky Way and the, the night skies out here in Arizona are, are almost uh, as dark as whatever the class levels are. I'm not very good with Bortle 1 through Bortle 5, but you understand what I'm saying. It, yeah, the the yep. night skies are just phenomenal. Okay. And to be able to frame a saguaro cactus with the Milky Way rising above it, oh, talk about a, you know, what a, what a, what a shot. And it doesn't require me having to chase a storm or risk my life and limb other right. than the rattlesnakes, uh, brown recluses, uh, black widows, you know, and all of the other creatures <laughs> that are walking below me. So hey, yeah, scorpions. it's a blast. <laughs> hey, nice. So when, um, when you're out and about, I guess, what are, what are the things you're looking for? Because I mean, I'm, I'm mostly a seascaper, you know, look, you know, as I say, standing knee deep in, in, in ocean water, you know, and getting out in the desert's very different. I was talking to um, uh, Adam Edwards. He's uh, based in a place called Broken Hill, which is, you know, you, you, you think of the outback. Well, it's basically, uh, you know, the, the, the typical outback sort of scene that you would see from Australia, and he, he does a lot of that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I've been out in in those sorts of conditions but um it's just kind of very unfamiliar for me to sort of be be in that what 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 is it that you look for when you're when when you're out uh, other than you know the the classic cactus Uh, the classic cactus or the typical monsoon storm right so for me as what i've what i've learned um as i've grown as as a photographer and as my passion has grown is it's not necessarily a particular spot, but it's, or, or a particular idea that you have in mind, but it's for me now, it is 100% the quality of light in the element. Mm-hmm. So I, I could, I could go to the coast and any day, if it's just an overcast and 
if it's I, I call it the 18% gray day, right? <laughs> the yeah. camera's like, yeah, it's 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 pretty 18% gray. You could have a card and the the, the clouds are 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 just there, there is no color in the sky, there's no shade, or you know, there's no there's no really nice shadows cast. It's just everything is 18% gray and it's boring. Yeah, it's it's a boring scene. Exactly. Um, but I've discovered that that my own I'm developing an eye for just looking for something where the quality of light is enhanced, whether it's in a, a saguaro scene, you know, a desert scape at sunset. And it doesn't always have to be at sunset. I'm pushing myself to want to capture incredible scenes in the middle of the day. But that's that 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 lends itself to another problem is uh, dying of skin cancer by being in the Arizona desert <laughs> in the middle of the day uh. or heat stroke, of course. But you know, I want to to get out there, but I want to capture something that's when the light changes a, a scene or a surrounding. And so it doesn't really matter where I am. There have been many times where I don't have my camera and I see something, I see a scene, I see reflections on buildings creating the 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 downtown area where the entire city lot cityscape just becomes alive for maybe 30 minutes. And then it drops off and it looks just like another boring cityscape again. Yeah. Right. And those are the things that I, my eyes slowly training on are not necessarily the place, but the quality of light that's in that place. Absolutely. And I'm pushing myself so hard to want to, to be able to, don't you just want to take this, like this, this box and, and pick that, that light up and put it in this box and bring it back to your friends <laughs> and say, look what I captured. You know, Absolutely. look at this rare species that I've captured and present it to the world and share that. That's what my heart is. And that's why I have a passion for the big, bright lightning and these big, beautiful storms in the Southwest, because we do have these unique high based storms. Right. Um, like on the Great Plains, we they have these giant supercells, but the cloud bases are so low to the ground, of course, which enhance the, the probabilities of tornadoes and yep. a lot of other severe weather. But in Arizona, we don't have these bases so low usually. Um, and, and so more often than not, these cloud bases are so high. So that lends itself to essentially uh, pulling the pulling the, the dress back of, from the lightning and exposing that, that, that lightning to just show a huge clear channel come yeah. out of the sky and land. And that's what's really dazzling about it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you you mentioned it's it, it's the monsoon season um, and it lasts two months. What are you what are you doing outside those those two months? Editing, <laughs> editing, editing, and editing. <laughs> Realistically, I I'm sitting on uh, a few terabytes of of time lapses that I have to go through, wow. and uh, they're they're just going to sit there until I get to them. So. Um, I'm actually trying to drop, you know, preparing to drop a collection as well. And I, I've been just taking my time despite the, as we've discussed, the fear of missing out. You know, I want to share this with the world and I, I want people to see that excitement. I want people to see that that light that I captured in a box or in a square, so to speak, yeah. you know what I mean? In a two-dimensional square. And I want to share that with the world and I want people to be able to 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 own that as well in a digital space in this new frontier. So I know a lot of people aren't uh, very familiar with that space, but that's something that I, I want to expand into as well. And 
it's just taking time to edit everything and be proud of your edit, right? Uh, that's probably my biggest weakness is I still don't know how to, I still haven't mastered or even have what I consider a rudimentary education level of Photoshop. And so being able to adjust noise and use luminosity maskings and, and all of these things, I'm just scratching my head thinking I, I, I'll never learn this completely. So um, yeah. in addition to that, I have to take time to educate myself so I can get better, not only capture better shots, but edit them better so that it looks more pleasant, you know? So yeah, that's what I'm doing the rest of the year. And of course I'm doing astrophotography, trying to shoot that, going back into the desert scapes and, and still enjoying the beautiful weather that we have here in Arizona. And we actually have a lot of mountains as well and forests. So within a one to one to four hour drive, you can be actually up at about 9,000, 10,000 feet. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really surprising. The entirety of Arizona isn't your typical Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, you know, scene. That's pretty yeah. much just the southern half of it. That, that's that, that's all most people get. You know, mm -hmm. when somebody says Arizona, I think of that red, red sandstone. You know, exactly. the, the mesas and uh, you know, yep. sort of Monument Valley sort of style. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, Arizona has yeah. some of the Arizona has some of the, the most beautiful uh, forests and lakes and all of that so it's just really a beautiful place to visit and of course we have the grand canyon which i just want to spend my next mission is to spend a week in, at the grand canyon capturing day to night night to day time lapses oh fantastic um, yeah. i have to plan that though <laughs> yeah. well to, talking about planning how much planning do you put into say a, a storm shoot versus a an astro shoot and you know, what, what, what are the sort of things that you're looking at when, when you're planning, particularly for, for storm chasing? Obviously, you know, weather reports and, you know, uh, yeah. weather apps are going to be number one. But, uh, you know, what, what, what are your, what, what's your process for saying, okay, I've got to get out and do it and this is where I've got to be? Yeah. So like you said, you know, of course, the weather forecasting, learning to, to know where the best moisture is going to be because without that without that moisture content, without that, that surge of moisture from the Gulf of Mexico and the Gulf of California that pushes north into the desert area, um, you can literally be, we all laugh in Arizona because your neighbor can literally get two inches of rain and you're sitting here looking at the cloud, you know, or looking at the at the, at the clear sky and, and like not. somebody with a watering can over the top of the Absolutely. Place, not your that place. is so true here in Arizona. Even as you're driving, you're going, Oh, I think it's going to be, oh, okay, there's the rain. And all of a sudden you have to slow down. And then five minutes later, it's clear and you're driving on, on dry road again. So wow. learning to figure out where that's going to happen is such a delicate science. And I've actually heard many storm chasers off uh, from the, the Great Plains that chase tornadoes. They come here and they're going, what the hell is going on here? I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm having a difficult time finding the storm or getting to the storm, because once you get to the storm in Arizona, most of our storms here in Arizona are of the pulse type variety, right? They right. pop up and within 30 minutes, they're dead. They just and at any around. given time, yeah. And at any given time, if you're if you're at near one mountain range waiting for the storms to initiate over a, a, a mountain range, and then of course you're looking off 60 miles in the distance and see the most gorgeous storm just erupt, creating the most, the, the just spectacular scenes. And then if you decide to go over there, of course, 
by the time you get there, it's already dead. And the place that you just left is now erupting. So it's, it's a game of whack-a-mole with the Arizona monsoon. Yep. And uh, after a while, you can learn to, to, uh, to, to forecast better. But more importantly is what are you going to do once, once the magic happens, yeah. right? I mean, once you're in the scene, now your adrenaline's kicking in and your, your breathing starts to, to, to fluctuate and uh, quicken. And you have to really focus. My spouse has been, always been telling me to, to stop doing what I do, which is such a, 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 a lorry thing to do is, is I get excited and I start talking <laughs> and the, the storm is dropping. Hyperventilating. I, I, I need to get, yeah, I need to get my camera. Oh crap. There's no battery in it because I, they're on a charger. I need to grab the, these other batteries and now the SD card, but did I format the, I have four time lapses on this. I didn't format this SD card. And if oh, I wow. start now, you know what I'm saying? And it just, it just, it snowballs from there. And that's like we were just talking about focus. I have to really just dial it back and take a breath, take a take a breath, and tell myself, okay, the storm's there. Get out, get your tripod, take your time, set your shot, and don't touch your damn camera. <laughs> that's number one rule for me because every time I touch it, I shake the camera. Um, don't peek. If you capture a shot. Don't turn off your camera to to chimp the shot, right? You want to. We all we all want to see the the victory shot, but you're going to miss the next best shot uh, by doing well, particularly that. Particularly when so. there's a storm and lightning, because you know that one bolt that you caught, then you know you think, oh, that's fantastic, and then you, as you said, you know you you chimp the, uh, uh -huh. the chimp chimp the back screen, and uh, another bolt right where you want it actually happens. That's and, exactly uh, what happens. <laughs> so many times, so much frustration. So yeah, so so the whole process for me is once I'm at the storm, once the magic is happening, take your time, find a good composition, which is difficult because the storm is is in a certain place, and now within within seconds, you literally have to find a good composition depending on where you're at. There could be telephone lines, uh, advertising billboards, whatever it is. You want to get away from all of that. Yeah. And at the same time, you're actually trying to think ahead, which is the biggest thing that I've I've really tried to work on is plan ahead for the next stop. Now that once this storm is done, what am I going to do in the next 15 minutes? And yeah. you're starting to plan your exit strategy as well. Sometimes it's because you're in a in a, a very remote area and the flash floods are going to block you off. So yeah. you need to stop shooting so you can get out of there. Yeah. Or you're going to be stuck waiting for these flash floods before you can actually get back to civilization. And yeah, there's a lot that goes on. <laughs> So what, what about your astro shoots? Are you uh, using things like photo pills and so forth to, you know, work out where that, where the Milky Way is going to rise and all that sort of thing? Are you, are you doing much planning do. for that or are you more an opportunistic shooter? A little of both. You know, sometimes I just want to get out there and, uh, and just see what I can capture. I really love, as a storm chaser, that you're, you're really a, a run and gunner type of photographer. You just have to make sure your gear's ready, your car is gassed up, your tires are good, yep. your car is going to start. Leave the settings as they were the last storm shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then get in the game. You know, once you're in the game, it, it's fight time. Your gloves are on. You're fighting the storm. Uh, but with astrophotography, you can definitely be much more uh, methodical in your in your shots. So I've I've used photo pills. I'm I'm not an expert at that stuff, and it seems like. 
every time I, I try to get that beautiful compressed, you know, the compression of the moon yeah, yeah. rising over a horizon of saguaros, of tiny little saguaros. Of course, I've got, I'm dialed in. And then I look and for some reason, my phone just didn't zero in on where it was rising and I was off by five degrees. Oh, no. And now I just have the sliver of the moon on the right and, <laughs> and I'm done, right? Once that moon is off the horizon, That's you're it, done. Yeah. So. yeah, it's surprising how quick it moves. Hey? It is, exactly. <laughs> or your, your settings aren't dialed in. So you're shooting at F7 and the moon pops up and all you get is this big white chunk of light <laughs> beaming into your camera so yeah lots of failures but it, it's a lot you can still be much more methodical especially with the milky way i use an app on the ios called sky guide have you ever okay. used that i absolutely love that that and you can fast forward to see how it's going to look um over time i've used that ever since i i started shooting astro but i am by by no means an astro expert but the cameras that i use sure do help uh, a nugget like me get better at capturing Astro because I, I do have the Sony a7S III and that is such a phenomenally beautiful low light camera. Mm. Of course, it's it's primarily a video centric camera with the 12 megapixels, but low light is just astounding at 50, what is it? 51,200 is, is yeah. still incredibly clean. And I also <laughs> use the a, Sony A1 as well. Yeah, yeah even really 12 megapixels though is, is it's certainly good enough for you know um you could probably blow that up to maybe a, a an a2 sort of size you know may, maybe not right. a1 a1 you could probably get away with if you if you were careful but you know if you if you're printing at all um you That's know exactly it. it the thing is is most people experience this online so you know the, the the size doesn't matter, you know. The megapixels really doesn't matter that much, you know. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't. I've I've captured many lightning photos that I've posted um, on online using the A7S III, and they're just as stunning. And uh, I've never heard someone say, "I I think it needed more megapixels, Laurie. Can you use a better camera?" That's it. Nobody yeah. knows, <laughs> and so you know, I'm happy with it. Um, and as well, and I do have the Sony A1, which is just a phenomenal camera through and through um that's that's my investment into myself was was getting that and i, I have to somehow earn it back you know yeah. it the gear that we buy it, it shouldn't just be for fun unless you have money to burn and uh, i don't it. know many people to, that can do that no it's a it's an expensive addiction as you as you <laughs> called it earlier you know and uh, I, I was talking to somebody about that on on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago is that you know you you do you you can get sucked into that oh the latest and greatest gizmo or gadget or whatever you know whether it's a what do they call it gas? tracker or whatever you know <laughs> what is it, a gear acquisition syndrome gas yeah, gas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can get sucked into that very easily and it, and some of some of it's a bit of fomo as well you know um, oh, yeah. But then, then there are also the things that you go, okay, I've absolutely got to have that because this is a gap that I've seen, and you know, something that I I really need to need to look at, you know, to to take my photography to the next level. If I if I up the body or get a better piece of glass, you know, or you know, get some expensive filters or whatever, you know. Yeah, absolutely it, it should be focused on the tools you need versus exactly the, yeah. the, the excitement over over a product 
that's it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If, you know, it, I, I always liken it to to that tool and analogy. You know, it doesn't matter how big your hammer is if your nail is only you know a, a quarter of an inch long. You know, very true. <laughs> I don't need no, and I, for that. You know? <laughs> I've actually um, I've had friends that told me, well, I have a Canon 60D and and it it doesn't doesn't meet my needs, and then I tell them, do you have a Nifty 50? Because yeah. I will show you, I will show you some secrets. Get some good glass, put it on an older body, and watch the magic happen. Exactly. Of course, the low light capability might not be there, but if you're shooting daytime and you're you're just wanting to be a an entry level pro photographer and not spend fifteen thousand dollars on gear, get pick up an old Canon XT or an older uh, T2i or whatever those yep. are called, or the Nikon bodies, and just just invest a few hundred bucks into some. Uh, relatively inexpensive primes and your passion photog for photography will just skyrocket yeah. without breaking the bank. But, and that's that's particularly if you're not taking that gear to its extremes. You know, if you're exactly. shooting within its range, even, even a kit lens, you know, if you're, mm -hmm. you're shooting around that F7 to F11 sort of range and your you know your, your your sensor doesn't have to be the biggest and best and and the greatest it can still be on an old you know 60d or even a you know a 500d or a 600d or something like that you know and you can still take great photos because you've actually thought about the quality of the light because of the you know the composition exactly. and the elements that you've brought together in in that image you know and the way that you've post-processed it you know you don't need really really expensive gear to come out with fantastic photography that, that's so true and what i've learned most in all of this is the best tool is the one that you have in your hands at Absolutely. the moment yeah oh i i my 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 my, my shattered screen iphone is still capturing amazing images now because Sometimes that's all I have. And of course I'm regretting not having my my better gear with me. Sure. But at yeah. the same time, I have an iPhone with me and I still have something, an opportunity to capture something, you know, to capture the moment. So freaking use it. Don't be afraid. And don't that's let it. anybody tell you, oh, you just have a stupid iPhone or you have this five-year-old cruddy, you know, crop sensor with a kit lens. You can't take good photos of that. Don't listen to any of that because... I promise you, give me a, give me an old, give me an old uh, crop sensor, five, 10 year old camera. And I promise you, if you want me to capture something great, I will push myself to do so. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally with you on that. Do you run any workshops at all or are you sort of just going out and doing it for your own enjoyment? Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting into that the last couple of years, I've had a couple of small workshops where swear. I end up taking a few people who want to see the the same things that I do and want to learn my technique. And so we'll just go out for a, a you know two or three days um, on a weekend or something, and we'll just go find some fun to capture, whether there's storms, whether there's a, a beautiful sunset. Uh, my last workshop, we were actually trying to shoot sprites in uh, approximately a hundred miles away in Mexico, but the cloud cover just didn't lend itself to it. And you have to have, you have to have really unique conditions to capture a transient luminous event like a Sprite. Um, and I, of course I, I did capture blue jets this year and I was just so excited to capture that because they're extremely rare, but I want to be able to take people with me to do that. 
And uh, I have a lot more knowledge now on how to capture those. So even in future workshops, as, as those grow and, and as I incorporate more workshops into my, into my career, I wanna be able to take people to capture something that's not only extraordinary, but now very rare and unique too. It's, it's an exciting path that I'm currently charting, you know, a path, a course that I'm charting for the yep. future of what I'm going to do. For those that don't know, what are, uh, what are sprites or blue jets? Yeah. So it's so fun to capture lightning that you see in um, most of my images, but a lot of people don't know that there is something there, there is a lightning discharge in uh, quite often in larger thunderstorm complexes called sprites. Um, there's several of them called uh, lumped into what's called a TLE or a transient luminous event. And if you Google that, you're going to go down this really amazing rabbit hole <laughs> of, of something that's going to blow your mind. And there's actually these, this electrical phenomena that happens above the storm, right? And sprites actually look like, often look like jellyfish or angels, uh, red angels or jellyfish that happen above the storm in the ionosphere. And uh, blue jets actually happen or are ejected into the into the stratosphere, and they're they're bluish and purple. And if you're ever ever able to see these, either capturing them on camera or seeing these in person, it will change your life. There's something so unique to seeing these things shoot out above the storm from a complex that's one to a hundred to one hundred and fifty miles away. You're sitting there in clear skies, getting engulfed by mosquitoes. You know, there's no storms above you, but yet you can capture this this unique event with a, a with the, with the right camera, with the right settings. You know, and you're shooting really wide at, at and in in very dark conditions. So you do need it in this instance. You need a camera that lends itself to low light capabilities. You're mm -hmm. shooting at ISO 6400 at least. Um, sometimes 32, but 3200. Yeah, but I so this, this is where we're spending a bit more money on your gear actually helps. Yeah, exactly. But um, being able to capture these things, I just recommend people um, look up Paul Smith because Paul is the absolute um, sprite king. He mm -hmm. seems to capture every every sprite in the United States um, that does not uh, everything north of Mexico. <laughs> I, I tend to point my cameras into Mexico or. Um, near the U.S. border, just because of where I live, and yep. we, we do get those complexes over here, but they're nothing as uh, as dazzling as the sprites that occur over Oklahoma and Kansas. Yeah, just right. phenomenal work. It sounds really cool, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think if people want to want to get to see that sort of thing, um, I, I think you know, it'd be great if they could uh, you know get out into some workshops and experience that. That'd be fantastic. No doubt, no doubt. And there's never a guarantee. You know, you're, you have to, again, you, whether you're just going out to, to capture something from five miles from your home or not, not you're not going to capture anything unless you get off your butt and get out there and do it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. That, that's the key. You've, you've really got to get out there. So what, what's the most memorable experience you've had when out shooting? You know, I've had many. Um, I had a lightning bolt that I've posted in and I'm hoping that people can actually see it if they go back and, and look up at some of some of my work but I, I posted that today even of a, a lightning bolt that struck so close I was still 
uh, miles away. I think I was at least about seven to eight miles away from a storm that was that was a severe worn storm that was dropping a lot of rain uh, east of Nogales, Arizona. And I was pretty far away, but the storm was slowly moving towards me. And if you've ever heard of a bolt, a bolt from the blue or a clear air bolt, these are lightning bolts that just shoot way far away from a parent storm and will land seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Like you'll just be sitting there in with the sun, you know, you'll be playing a game and this lightning strike will happen. And this bolt from the blue uh, came out of the top of the storm and landed approximately 50 to 75 yards away. And I had my cameras trained in that direction and both cameras captured that bolt, that strike. And you can see where the the orange fireball, uh, where it hit, where it strikes the ground and the thunder crash was, was, was instantaneous. And I thought I was dead. I thought, and there, of course you're, you know, we're reacting as soon as the, you hear the, as soon as you see the lightning and hear the thunder, uh, we're reacting to it. Action is too late. That happened. React to it. You're, you're struck by, and you need medical attention. But you're ne- you're never going to be able to react to it other than just a natural reaction. So this was, you know, this was so close. And the the cool thing about it was I was also recording a, a video for my my followers, talking about um, these positive bolts that ha- that reach out and land so far away from the storm when one reached out and nearly touched me as well and oh, so okay. i also re- i also have a video of that as well and that was a very memorable moment and it gave me even more respect from for, more respect to uh to respect the storm and, and keep your distance yeah. you know because those things will reach out and touch someone if you're not careful that's phenomenal so when um you're i guess looking for advice or you know uh, inspiration from another photographer who's your go-to person and you know what are you normally asking them for you know I I'm I have so many people I I can't think of one person in particular especially now um, that I've I've just come into a space where there are hundreds of amazing photographers of every variety there are street photographers right now who I want to have private discussions. I, I want to just pick their brains, not in a public forum and just say, can we have a zoom talk? Cause I want to pick your brain on what you're doing and how you capture these elements. Um, I heard somebody the other day talking about, he only shoots in rain in the city, in the cityscape. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, no wonder his images look like some scene out of Blade Runner. Everything yeah. is, is shiny and transparent. Um, but he works his butt off for them. And I'm just exceptionally enamored, drawn into his image images. And so on top of, okay, well, you're going to shoot in the rain in a, in a, in a cityscape in a downtown area. Well, how do you keep your gear dry for Pete's sake? (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot to pick his brain on. And then of course, people who go out and, and, and shoot waterfalls. And as soon as you said, you, you like to stand in the ocean, I'm thinking, are you crazy? What about the salt? It's going to destroy your gear and your camera. And how, uh, what happens if you were to knock it over into the ocean? You're done. And so <laughs> I, I want to pick your brain now on how you are able to, to get so close to the, to the ocean and, and capture those, you know, that and, and smooth out the, the ocean so it doesn't look jagged and just sure. uh, unpleasing. 
So I, I'm already wanting to pick your brain as soon as you said that. <laughs> happy, happy, to, happy to spend some time with you uh, outside the podcast to talk about that because, um, I mean, the, the, the simple fact is waterproof tripod, number one, so it's uh, wow. fibre. And so, you know, again, a piece of gear worth spending a bit more money on, you know. I, I used to have an old aluminium one and uh, eventually it just seized up from the rust. <laughs> wow. But, um, that, you know, so that, that's number one. Um, it has to be uh, solid enough that it's not going to get knocked around um, and not, I, I guess, not walking away from your gear as well when, it, when it's set up where oh. you're likely to, you know, get knocked over by a wave and being pretty quick and being able to read the waves and, and lift I've, many a time I've lifted the tripod over my head to keep the camera out of the water while I've got engulfed by Leave the wave. gear while you, you take yeah, the brunt I'm of it. I'm saturated. The gear's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I have also yeah. killed a camera or two uh, through uh-huh. splashing. But funnily enough, it's the more innocuous, I think it's probably just the, the uh, over the period, you know, over a period uh, build-up of, of salt inside the body, you know, because, oh. you know, um, but, you know, the cost of doing business, time, right? Yeah, that's it. But the last time I, I killed a camera, it, it was such an innocuous little splash that hit it. I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, and then that's it just fine. started going wrong. And the thing, the thing was, it wouldn't turn off unless you took the battery out. You put the battery oh, no. in and it was always on. So it was kind of like, okay, that's weird. So it off, used the contact to be open. Exactly, yeah. So off, off to the shop to get somebody to uh, huh. to clean it out and fix it. And 600 Can you imagine off. if you and I were to, 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 to get together right now and develop a camera that was resistant to you know, have all the internal yeah, inco- components completely <laughs> uh, waterproof where you can just jump in the water and start shooting Man, what kind of millions we could make about this? This is a venture we need to discuss offline sometime. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, there, there are those sorts of you can can buy housings and all those sorts of things mm-hmm. for, for, for your gear, but um, you know, again, they they're, they're more expensive bits of kit. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I I did try and use a, a rain cover for a while, and when it is raining heavily, or I'm at a waterfall shoot, then I'll I'll probably stick that on. But I just find it really cumbersome, um, and it just gets in the way when you're doing trying to do uh, you know those ocean shoots. So uh, the, the same thing applies for me as well with the rain cover. I I try to use them, but they just get in the way as well. And um, I've I've lost a few bodies, camera bodies, uh, to the you know the outflow of rain as the as the storm ejects and 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 lands on the ground. You know all the water pushes that air forward. And if you're not careful, if you're not at your tripod, uh, the camera, the, 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 the outflow boundary will just, the gust front will just knock your cameras over. And that's been a very costly, that's probably the most costly mistake I've ever made is continuing to forget that I cannot just leave my camera there and expect it to be okay without being close to it. Because I will position several cameras or two or three cameras, you know, one's composed in front of this yucca plant and this other one's in front of this flower yep. and they're... 10 to 50 meters away from each other and that's a bad thing to do if you're by yourself yeah yeah no and and i i for for what i do i I literally can't do that i 
I did try a few shoots with two bodies on two separate tripods and whatever, but I just found it too hard to manage. And, you know, unless you're somewhere where you're secure, dry, and it's, you know, you're not going to, you know, not right. going to get knocked over by wind or rain. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a bit of a challenge doing multi, multi-camera, do, doing what, sure. what I do anyway. Yeah. So have you um, ever hit a creative wall? And how did you handle that? You know, that's such a great question. And I think everyone as a photographer needs to have a little introspection on that. I've met so many photographers that struggle with self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I think the self, our, our self, our lack of self-worth tends to, it, it tends to make that wall vastly larger than it should be just mm-hmm. because we, we struggle with that. Two or three failures can end up completely demoralizing you and you just want to throw your camera away you want to put the gear away why am i doing not touch it (laughs) yeah what am i doing why am i doing this and and i think that that's such an important um topic that that i i just can't get enough of of trying to put it out there when i'm I'm talking to my own friends and and uh, photographer friends is that we need to focus on our own wellness and if if getting out there and and shooting and and getting out there and failing is gonna cause us to to just feel like we're we're terrible people and that we suck at what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. then we we do need to 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 take a step back and realize that, like we were talking about earlier, for me, I, those failures have ended up making my successes even that much sweeter. Yeah. So. Um, but it, it has happened so much where so many times where I feel like I hit a wall because I'm just not improving or my skills in post-processing just don't, aren't cutting, aren't cutting, cutting it compared to other people. And I think that's the biggest issue. My creative wall will happen because I start comparing my work with others. Yeah. And my goodness, you, there is so much, there are so many great artists out there and photographers and it's easy to compare ourselves to others. And while that can be a drive, it can also completely obliterate our, our own sense of self-worth. And I mm-hmm. think it's important to just refocus. For me, when I, those days where I just grab the dogs and I have no expectation of capturing anything, I think those are my recharge days. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so if I don't capture anything on that day, that's fine. I, that For me, that that's me allowing myself to just have space to to not not over overdo it not push myself to the extreme where if i fail i'm gonna feel like i'm done completely done and walk away from it because that very thing that you became passionate about you know in photography again it, I, I i go back to taking photos with a with a with the crappy old i say crappy of course in quotes but a an old camera you know, taking thousands of photos of my kids starts to come back. Yep. And I re- it renews that sense of why I'm doing what I do. Yeah. So yeah. There is no fame that, that is going to reward you as, as much as you going out there and just feeling whole as a person and knowing that you can forgive totally. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, every, everyone has that little voice in the back of their head telling them how, what a bad person they are, or how mm-hmm. how they're no good, or whatever. You know, everyone's their worst. You know, their their own worst critic. Um, Very and much so. I think you know a big part of that comes from comparing 
yourself to others and and you know particularly in western society it, it's been kind of the way that you've brought up you know through testing and all the rest of these sorts of things it's a it's a competition you know who, right, right. Who, who's the best runner who's the best speller who's you know etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah you know? What is the golden rule of business? Do unto others before they do unto you, right? That's it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's it. That's terrible. And, uh, and I think that comp- competitive spirit, you know, helps spur people on, which, you know, it does have positives, mm-hmm. but it certainly can have negative, uh, you know, aspects to it too. And I think the thing, the important thing to remember is that everyone is where they are in their creative or, you know, or, or their learning journey, you know. And absolutely not everyone is at the same place. And some people move along that, you know, curve at a, a different rate to others. Some people, um, you know, get that, um, you know, ability quicker or they, you know, they, they learn that skill. The thing is what we're talking about largely is a set of skills that are learned. Nobody came out of the womb ready-made as a master photographer. Brent, do you do you ever go back and look at your first year photos and think? Oh yeah, what were you thinking? (laughs) I I I flick through my my uh, analog (laughs) photo albums and look at the film stuff that I was doing, you know, and atrocious, right? I mean, I might not. I'm not saying that about you, but you say that about your your own images the first year. This this is just (laughs) trash. (laughs) Why am I even keeping it? (laughs) Not the ones. But then if you. You know, but exactly. Even, pardon me. Um, even an out of focus shot of my child is still more precious to me than you know. Absolutely. You know, the best. You don't delete those. I don't. Exactly. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But um, you know the, the 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 thing is is that everyone is where they are, and I I think comparing yourself to where other people are on that curve is just you know you're on a hiding to nothing. There's just no there's mm. there's no real good that can come of it. Now, what you can do, I guess, the good that could come out of it is you say, I want to get as good as that, you know. And you might not ever do it, you know, in your your lifetime. Some people either don't have the raw talent that is needed or they just don't have the drive to learn the skills that they need to, to, to be able to do it. But, you know, at least if you're going to strive, look at that positive and look at that as, you know, something that you you want to achieve, then, you know, you, 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 as I say, you don't get this, you know, when, when you come out of the womb, you don't get this through sitting on your backside, not taking photos. You don't get, you know, skilled by not learning how to, how to process properly. You know, it's only through your own education, you taking that, you know, by the neck and dragging your photography, capability along with you to right. where you want it to be you know and if you're happy you know, with what you're doing I mean I'm never happy with what I'm, I'm still looking at things right. and going yeah, oh, well, yeah it's not quite right I could you know I could sharpen that just a little bit more <laughs> and that's whatever. that's what's so important to <clears throat> excuse me is never rest on your laurels no. that is something I've learned from from watching videos of people that I consider just uh, who have gone from ordinary to extraordinary whatever the story is, anybody that's gone from ordinary to extraordinary, they all have a common theme. And it always said, it, it, it's always never rest on your laurels. It's how can I do better tomorrow? How can I push myself to another 
another boundary. I, I there are so many people. There are comedians actually. I, I guess comedy is a is a perfected craft, very similar to photography. Absolutely, listening, yeah. listen. You know that that's something. If by the way, if if you know the listeners will, would actually do that if they're willing to do that, go look at some of those com- comedic greats. If if they're if they're giving speeches or if if there's online content where they're they're talking about how they how they became an expert in their craft and there's always that same theme that are so many parallels to what we do is they want to give up they're 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 putting themselves out there and they have to improve um and that sense of self-worth is is driving them also you see the pressures that they're they're facing being cast right into in front of a live audience and they can't fail yeah and but the, the the running theme between all of us creatives is that you know they never rested on their laurels no that's and it that that's something that i i don't want to rest on i i know i i don't feel like i could rest on my laurels because i think i need a few more crowns and jewels to to rest <laughs> upon you know I, I but i want that one more i want to be better next year and in in a, on top of that i want to finally overcome some of those things that were that were inhibiting me like the the lack of self-worth it's mm. taken me 6 years as a photographer and um, I'm not going to give you my age, but nearly half a decade of of learning and grieving and healing to finally realize that I can do this and that I'm okay and what I'm doing is okay and I don't need to compare myself to anyone and I don't even need to to, to be a part of that toxicity that's out there that's just roaming around waiting to grip your own heart to just be free and to take those dogs that are barking in the background. And just get out there and just go have some fun and and, and recharge if necessary. Absolutely. If you weren't a photographer, what would you be? If I wasn't, if I weren't a photographer, what would I be? Yeah. Um, I would be, I, I see that you have a couple of uh, airplanes behind you there. I always wanted to be an, air, an airplane pilot. Cool. And I, want, I, I always wanted to fly. Is that a 747 on the thing? Uh, I can't really tell. I think it was a... Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's Might a be an Airbus and, a, and an Airbus A380. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I always had a fascination for the, with the sky. Of course, I love the sky so much. I wanted to fly them as well. So I, I guess that that was a natural course in my brain is that I, I have a, a passion for capturing the colors in the sky. But if I weren't, if I weren't a photographer, I probably would be uh, a pilot. If, if I had, pursued what I what I wanted to when I was a, a young kid. You know, I loved airplanes. Um, I had these encyclopedias. Don't tell anyone, but I stole a giant encyclopedia of airplanes, of aviation from a library. And I kept that thing. Right, and it had, you know, you and <laughs> okay. Oops. Sorry, uh public library. I'll 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 pay for it now, I think. But uh, I kept the book. I never returned it. Cause I loved it so much. And it had the wingspan, you know, the little diagrams in addition to the oh. cool looking photos of it talking about, you know, um, T, uh, TWA and Pan Am and all of these, these gorgeous airlines, airliners. Yeah. Uh, the 747 is my favorite. I know this is a tangent, but I just think the 747 is the most beautiful aircraft ever made. And watching those old seventies movies called airport 77, Airport, Airport 79, the Concorde, yep. those were just fantastic. I, I just loved watching them just to watch the, those, those uh, 
those jumbo jets fly and fly around over, around the mountains. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember as a child seeing one of those uh, flying into Sydney for the first time, and just you know having my mind blown about how something that big could uh, could stay in the Absolutely. air. Absolutely. And now you got the A three eighty, which is you know almost almost <laughs> twice the size. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how agile they are! If, yeah, you know, you've seen, yeah. you 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 can see trained pilots. They they can nearly flip these things in the air. Absolutely, I'm, it's just astonishing what how far we've come in technology. So back back to photography. Are there any photographers mm-hmm. out there that you think should be on the podcast? Who should I talk to next? Oh my goodness! How, have you? I know it's a big list. list. I, I have a huge list huh. already. So. <laughs> right, right. Have you have you seen? Uh, street photographers like uh cody conk and jt and those guys i hang out i have yeah i've I've, uh, been i i haven't reached out to them yet but i'm uh i'm I'm, i've got them on on my list cody conk in particular um uh, yeah cody's really great photographer but jt for some reason there's something about jt's images um he's probably on a space right now he hosts those spaces all the time but take a look at his photos he's one of them that I can get lost in. Isn't that a great feeling when when you can Absolutely. take somebody's photo and you haven't left that one particular image? You know, we all just kind of there's so many just next, next, next. That's nice. That's nice. But JT's, I will stop and stop I'll him. see uh, someone riding a bike and then I I zoom in and I see an old lady walking across the street and then I see something else. You know, a man cooking. You know, selling hot dogs or something. And I'm just I, I'm I'm transformed. I'm you know. Uh, transported into this image and now I'm there and I feel like I'm looking all around it, it, it's amazing I feel like it's a it's better than a movie for some reason yeah. into this one single piece of imagery that's what JT's work does for me but anyways <laughs> yeah I, I, I love street photography now and I hope it rains in Tucson so I can actually grab my camera and stay there and try to capture that same kind of element because it's that light it's that quality of light that I want to capture oh sure. yeah yeah, the, re- the reflective surfaces and whatever that uh, you know come when it rains. It's uh, yeah, and it, it, I I think it's a real skill. You know, um, you know, there, there's some fantastic ones here in uh, in Australia, down in Melbourne. There's a, a couple of guys down there that are doing just a, some some absolutely outstanding work. You know, how they get it so crisp, how they get the you know the the reflections just right, and all that sort of thing. You know, blows blows my mind. But um, no, yeah, definitely put absolutely. Jake and, uh, Cody on the list then. There, there's also some, some a, a new, uh, not new, it's certainly not new, but something that's new to me are um, these rising black female photographers that yep. are are that that have a mission to to regain the narrative that that black women are beautiful and that you know that that entire you know some of these street photog- photos that I've seen. Brittany, and I forget her last name, is one person that I have a sense she's going somewhere and she's powerful. And I just want to sit down and shut up and listen to her story. And I want her to tell the story of these, how these, how these, these group of people, you know, all these people that are having fun jumping rope or, or they're on the street, but there's just, there's just so much life in these images and and I'm just drawn into it. And I want to hear the story and I want to, it compels me to, to, to take a, take a seat and be, you know, sit back and let somebody else rise to the front 
who is powerful, strong, and beautiful. And that, that really, really pushes me to a new, a new horizon because I've grown up in such a narrow, limited paradigm yep. that has been hostile to other people that I don't understand and know. And mm-hmm. I need to finally break those boundaries and borders. And Brittany, I think, is someone that already has reached across to say, look at how beautiful and, and uh, joyful mm-hmm. our spirits are. And that, that just takes me back. I just want to, I want more of that. And I want to see more of that. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's definitely on the, on the list as well. Awesome. All right. I've got one more question and, uh, you know, for, for the listeners who uh, are regulars, they'll, they'll know it is the most important question of the, uh, the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like pineapple on pizza? Oh, my goodness. Why would you even suggest that? <laughs> I, I'm sending you a, I'm going to send you a, a, a large bill for this now. <laughs> I, I need I need to collect. Uh, my goodness, I need. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send you just a, a, a one million dollar charge for this podcast now because that is absolutely horrible. Why would you do such a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's a very divisive topic. I'm 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 a neutral to be honest. I if it's there and there's nothing else, I'll 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 have it. But if it's uh, if it's not there, well, come I'm on, part- Grant. There is no neutral. <laughs> This yeah, is, gonna, this is war that we're talking about. <laughs> you're either for us or you're against us, friends. Come on. No pineapple on pizza, please. Eradicate this, this, uh, this balderdash. <laughs> scourge on society. <laughs> scourge, exactly. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for talking to me to, today, Laurie. It's, um, it's been absolutely a pleasure. Um, I've really enjoyed you know, hearing some of your story and some of what you've uh, been, been up to. And uh, I, I really like, you know, some of your descriptions about how you do what you do. And uh, I'd just you. like uh, to offer you the, the opportunity. Where, where can people find your work? You know, I'm, I'm pretty much easy to find everywhere and anywhere. Uh, Twitter is my jam. Uh, YouTube, also, I do, I do have time lapses and uh, Instagram, I'm still I'm still pushing my photos out there as well, and, and pretty much anywhere and everywhere. If you just look up Lori Grace A Z um, on any of those spaces, you'll find me. And the A Z is is short for Arizona, of course. So Lori Grace A Z, and you should find my ugly mug somewhere and and dive right into the world of lightning photography and and my musings. And uh, I, I I always enjoy sharing. Um, if it's technical aspects of photography, um, I'm more than willing to share. And that's what I love about this community is people are so willing to share, you know, all of this knowledge that took you and I to have to dive into books and and tutorials and maybe spend lots of money. There's so much that's free out there if you just ask. And lots of time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So oh, thanks for having me. It's been a it's been a blast. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, you know, hope to follow your work and uh, and catch up with you again on on some Twitter spaces. I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see each other around the metaverse somewhere. And I just have one question for you now, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Go for it. What's under your couch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just some dust bunnies at the moment, I think. I hope. Nice. 
I've, I've been moved this week to vacuum under it. <laughs> I, love, I love these inside jokes. Nobody else will ever get. It's great. That's right. No, nobody else is going to know <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> That's fantastic. Renee might. <laughs> Renee will absolutely know. Okay. Fair enough. Well, it's been great, Grant. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you've enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'm going to be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast on grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne and hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.